my good friend, he's been a great friend to me uh, in the two years that I've been here. He's welcomed me. His family has been awesome to my family, and we're so grateful for them. But would you put your hands together and give a warm welcome to Mr. Scott Whitmore. Dr. Scott Whitmore, Mr. Scott Whitmore. Bless you, man. Good morning, Mercy. Welcome to my first time. Welcome. Uh, first time, I, I, I preached a couple times, maybe 20 years ago, and the Lord put on pause. Put on pause for a long time until I'm here with you. And I know some of you are here because I asked you to be. So thanks for being here. I sense as, there was some, as the worship was going on, there's some faith in here. Is there faith in here? Oh my goodness, there's some faith that God is going to do some things. Let's, let's see what he's doing. So yes, my name is Scott. Uh, I've been here 17 years. I am the second half of Amy, who's our worship director, and I'll often be engaging with our kids. Uh, so this is the first time of me being up here with you. So Gary came to me and said, Scott, do you want to preach on songs of summer? Pick a song and preach on it. Okay, that's not a huge wide open topic. I don't know what is. Let's figure out what songs of summer is all about. So I merely thought, what's my favorite genre? Don't, family, don't spoil it. Don't spoil my, I don't know that anybody in here actually has heard of this genre before, so we're going we're gonna to play a little bit of a game. I know, you're, I know you're curious. No, I said don't spoil it, family. Thank you. Uh, so let, let's, let's engage a little bit. We're, we're a little more urban clientele here, so I don't know if you guys know what this is. So chilling on the dirt road, laid back, rolling like I'm George Jones. Dirt road anthem, anybody? Okay. Baby, you a song, you make me want to roll my windows down and cruise. No, anybody? Don't spoil it. A little bit of barefoot blue, jean, barefoot blue jean night, or perhaps my favorite, fancy like Applebee's on a date night, got that Bourbon Street steak with my Oreo shake, yep, whipped cream on the top two, two straws, one check, where's my girl, girl I got you, where you at, girl I got you, there she is, all right, friends, urban, this is called country. Country music. I know it's an, under, it's an underrepresented genre in here. I know we got a lot of hip-hop and rap, which I appreciate, but a little bit of country. That's my favorite genre. No, that's not going to preach. That won't preach. We're not preaching on country music. <laughs> Thank you. And then I'm sure many of you are thinking, boy, that is one musical family. That's true except for this guy. <laughs> my kids have got lots of musical talent in them. Amy, certainly. Mom, I know you think I sing like, my mom is out here saying, ah, he sings like Andre Albertelli. I know you do. Thank you, Mom. No, that, that little bit of like country flow, that's all you're getting from me. You're not getting anything else. So I will not be singing. Uh, but do you guys remember the first music you received as a gift? Maybe it was a CD. Maybe it was a song you downloaded. Maybe it was a cassette tape. You rewind it. Or a record. My first experience with gifted music was on a cassette tape. This actually may not be my first, but it's the first one I remembered. This cassette was given to me by my aunt and uncle, uh, and they gave it to me at an early birthday party. I think it was elementary school, maybe middle school, but I remember this square wrapping. You get a square wrapping like this, you know what's in it, right? Now, I didn't know what it was, but I remember what happened afterwards. So I opened this gift, I turned it over, read it out loud, and my mom, God bless you, took that, took that cassette tape and started running away. And I have an image of my uncle chasing after her and grabbing it back. No, that's for Scotty. <laughs> Take him down. I remember this because it's just maybe, it's not now. Maybe then a little bit edgy. I have like a, a, this picture of this like engaging family engagement of it. Let me show you what this edgy song was here. 
Anybody remember Petra, Christian Rock? Christian. <laughs> I, I don't know if this was actually it. I remember this playing it out. And I remember the story happening. And, uh, and I have no idea. I could not sing any of those songs. I don't remember what there was. But that was my first prized article of music in, our, in my home that I remembered. <clears throat> so, and I will say that, like, it's probably not because of that, but that Christian music has had a huge impact in my life, not only because Amian worship or Christian music or, or Petra, <laughs> But it's had a huge impact on my life. It's bought me peace. It's bought me righteousness, celebration, joy. It's brought like calmness and centeredness when I've needed it. And it may not link specifically back to that, but it certainly links back to my parents bringing and supporting worship music in the home. It certainly links back to that coming and like being pervasive in our home. And can I tell you that one, uh, you can go ahead and drop that slide, thanks. <laughs> can I tell you that one of the most nerve-wracking Maybe that's not the right way of saying it. One of the most, like, I trust you, God, I actually trust you parts of my adult life is when you give your first device to your child. Yeah, that's not a big deal. (laughs) Here you go, child. Here you go, 10-year-old. Here, hopefully, Lord willing, here are, like, thousands of prayers work. Hopefully, millions of minutes for a 10-year-old, 5.3 million, I did the math. 5.3 millions of minutes of that child watching you engage with life actually works. So when the first, so this happened, my son's here. uh, We gave him a Kindle for his 10-year-old birthday. And one of the first apps, I I don't know if he remembers this, one of the first apps that he downloaded was Spotify. All right, it's on. (laughs) Here's the world of music. Here's the world of lyrics. What's going to happen? Here you go. So my son loves music, and he came in and, sa- and, and downloaded Spotify, and one night, I remember like that first night or first couple nights, he said, Dad, come check this song out. You have to check this song out. And I went, no way, son. It's way too late. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Go, go back. It's way too late. Come on, Dad. Come on. No, I'm way too late. Dad, it's like 8.15. <laughs> true. This is true. Ask Amy. So I don't preach it back there. Okay. So I said, okay, all right. All right, let's do it. We're going to play a, a minute and 20 second clip of that song. Here's that song after we just gave him the Kindle and said, Here's the world. Bless you. Here's the song that. They're going to hold you down, but the crown going to hold up. Ken, what, what are we going to go do for, do for your birthday? We're going to go to KB concert. That was a hip-hop artist on there for his birthday. So he brought this song out, and I immediately brought it downstairs. and said, Amy, check out this song. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We listened to it probably six times. And if you want more tears, because I was definitely crying when that was happening. If you want more tears, just watch till the end where all the kids are singing, he's got the whole world in his hands. See, there's something powerful about seeing prayers answered before your eyes. About bearing witness to, especially when you know there have been generations of hope put into those prayers. We'll drop back to that song later, but today, today we're talking about seeing generations of hope, faith, and prayer answered before your eyes. I'm going I'm to pray and we'll keep going. God, I, I welcome you. You're here like you've been here. <laughs> You're here, you're, you're, there's, there's a high faith 
which, and there's a high like engagement with you, and so may I not get in the way, may I usher more of that in. in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so that Connect card that Gary showed you, uh, everybody pull it out and flip it over. I want you to take some notes because they're going to talk about a few different characters here, and I don't want to get lost in those characters, so pull it out. Right down the middle, or you can make a line or, or not, but right down the middle, one side write OT, Old Testament, OT. The other side write NT, New Testament. And we're just going to talk about a few different characters, and I don't want you to get lost in the characters, so we're going to come back to this. Uh, and I'm going to tell you when to draw it. So NT on one side for New Testament, that is Jesus coming in after. OT, Old Testament, before Jesus came. So today you guys are joining me on my faith journey. I've been spending a lot of time the past few years with N.T. Wright. He is an author that has made the Bible accessible for all. He says that his commentary is Bible for all, for everyone. I'm part of everyone, and I have been unpacking it. So you're going to join me in that. And his writings have been meeting me in the deepest part of who I am, the place that loves thoughtful discussion of the Bible, but not just thoughtful discussion to discuss. See, I believe that the truths of Scripture must have impact for today. Truths of Scripture that were true 4,000 years ago, that were true 2,000 years ago, and Jesus came, must be impactful today. That's a bit of a lofty goal, but that's my faith to see how this Bible, this written Word of God, impacts today. So when I dive into his written Word, uh, it, it becomes a little bit of a study, it becomes a little bit of the Lord becoming alive to me, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to do a Bible study on a Bible study. That's what we're, we're going to write down here. So we're going to study the Bible, and then we're going to study what the Bible is saying about the Bible. So the scriptures we're going to start to look at at the beginning of the book of John, at John 1. Jesus had just started to telling the world that he was God. And he started to call his disciples. So we find ourselves in this easy momentum build. And this is the first place where you're going to write down some people because I don't want to get lost. Under the New Testament side, write Andrew, name Andrew. Write Peter, right below Andrew. Get those pens out so I ran it because I don't want you to lose. Andrew, Peter, Philip. And then the fourth one is Nathaniel, and I want you to circle Nathaniel. That's what we're talking about. We're going to see four characters in the New Testament, well, and Jesus, but you all know Jesus. <laughs> so Philip, and then we'll circle Nathaniel. And this easy momentum bill finds these first three characters, this Andrew, and then gets his brother Peter, and they get Philip, and they're all like, they're all like yeses to Jesus. Yes, Jesus calls them. They say, yes, I'm in. He calls Peter. Peter says, yes, I'm in. He calls Philip. Philip says, yes, I'm in. But then they get, Philip goes to find Nathaniel. And this is where we get like a momentum skid here a little bit. Philip goes to find his friend Nathaniel, and we get our first doubt from a skeptic. Let's read about it, John 1, 43 through 46. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethesda. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one, we found him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there, Nathanael asked? Come and see, said Philip. So you see, I imagine Philip coming in hot. He's just pumped up, full of excitement, says, we found him, we found the one. This is the one that our whole culture, that our whole family's been talking about for generations. We found him. Come on, Nathaniel. This is the one the prophets wrote about. It's Jesus. Nathaniel goes, wait a second. Where did he come from? Nazareth? Nah. Nothing good comes from this poor population of a couple hundred of that small village in Nazareth. Here we meet kind of our first skeptic. Then let's see what happens. John 1, 40, 47, 49. 
When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Somehow, when Philip went to get Nathanael, Nathanael went with him. And when Jesus sees Nathanael, Jesus perhaps quotes Psalm 32 to him and speaks directly into Nathanael's heart. He goes, here, this man here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. Quick stop. Do we see that Jesus said, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false to a skeptic? Does that resonate with anybody? Being the instant yes doesn't mean you have more faith. Being the one that says, I'm always in, doesn't mean you have more faith. It's okay to go, wait, where does he come from? I need to see a little bit more. Jesus spoke right to him and said, here is a true Israelite. It's not what I'm preaching about, but it's really powerful. (laughs) Here is a true Israelite. So Nathaniel says, this is in my mind, nah, you don't know me, Jesus. Don't pretend you know me. I'm sure he was thinking, perhaps, he was set up by his friend Philip, and maybe Philip like went ahead and said, Jesus, check out Nathaniel. This is a guy, you got to get to know him. But Jesus answers, but I do know you. I was with you right where you were before your friend Philip came. You were under the fig tree, and I saw you there. See, a small bit of prophetic power of Jesus showing a glimpse of his godness was enough for Nathaniel to believe. After Nathaniel's profession of belief, Jesus says something that I want to study today. Here's what Jesus says. We're going to spend some more time diving into this. It's John 1, 51. It's a continuation. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. In other words, Jesus said, you think you just saw something? You think you just saw something by me being telling you I was with you? <laughs> Buckle up. You're about to see the kingdom of God exposed. And let me tell you, you actually, in fact, are seeing right now what it looks like when heaven meets earth. This is what he's telling them. So outside the face value of the statement by Jesus, what is he saying here, Nathaniel? It's, it, it's actually quite beautiful. It's easy for me to say, I got it, Jesus. You're telling Nathaniel that he'll get to see a vision of angels attending you. Perhaps. But John, as he, writes through his, as he writes through his book, he never minces his words. He's always purposeful in what he puts in the book. So why did John record this conversation with Nathaniel? And why did he specifically write these words from Jesus? It's actually much deeper than Jesus simply saying, I can give you visions of heaven and prove to you that angels will tend to me. Jesus is drawing Nathaniel to a story about his forefathers that Nathaniel would have known well. We don't. Nathaniel would have known well. It's a story that came 40 generations earlier and one that the current generation of Israelites held dear and were placing their daily hope, faith, and prayers in. Let's look at this story. Okay, remember that Connect card? Before I read this, on that New Testament side, we wrote those three, and then we circle Nathaniel. On the Old Testament side, I want you to write down Abraham. Right next to it, write grandfather. Abraham, grandfather. Right below that, write Isaac. Next to it, write dad. Abraham, Isaac. Isaac's a dad. Then write Jacob. That's the son. And maybe perhaps next to Jacob, there could be like a horizontal line to Esau, his brother, but... That's on the Old Testament side. So this was 2,000 years before Jesus came. And then I want you to circle Jacob. Circle Jacob because that's what we're going to focus on today. Not the grandfather, not the father. We're going to focus on the son Jacob. 
All right, let's, put, let's read this story that Jesus is talking about that would have happened 40 generations before he said those words to Nathanael. So Jacob left Beersheba and set up for Haran. And when he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father of Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you where you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. In verse 12 here, we see the same verbiage that Jesus used with Nathanael. We actually see the origin of the language when Jesus tells Nathanael, you shall see heaven open and angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This vision, has, this vision that Jacob has has a stairway that connects heaven to earth. And God speaks to Jacob from heaven about a promise for earth. And the word that God speaks is a continuation or it's a repeat of his promise that God had already given to the grandfather, that God had already given to the father, but now it was Jacob's time to get that same promise and to hear it. It's the exact same words that he gave to the grandfather and to the father. Now Jacob gets it. God's promise didn't change. He promised land, a home, and a way for the family to provide for the families, descendants, blessings, and he promised to be with Jacob, to be with Jacob. That's interesting. This vision from God to Jacob comes right after Jacob had fled his homeland. Jacob was running away from a murder covenant. <laughs> his brother had sworn out loud to kill Jacob. And Jacob was fleeing a murder covenant and was running away without anything. He was fleeing for his life after he had just received this, general, this generational blessing from his dad. The blessing that should have been for his older twin brother, but Jacob received it. Jacob had just received this promise of a promised land, fruitful descendants, full life, and now he was running for his life without anything in his name except those words. Let's actually stop there and think about that for a moment. Can we appreciate like the highs and lows of Jacob? Can we imagine the euphoria of being the one? The one that got the blessing. The one that, that received all of the family heritage and lineage. He was the one. Probably was the whatever the water cool cooler conversation was, was all about this blessing it's in my mind. It's like, how can Esau be the one getting this blessing when he's so evil? Is Jacob even deserve it? Man, are we living in this promised land now? He promised it to our grandfather. He promised it to our dad. Are we living in this blessing now? Where, where is this blessing that God himself spoke to Abraham, that God himself spoke to Isaac? Where is this? I can could, I could see this. And Jacob's the one. He's the one that received this blessing the promise spoken to him, the most prized possession, and he had to get out of there as fast as he could because his brother wanted to murder him. No people, no possessions, no land, no flocks, nothing. He was living in the promise unfulfilled. 
can imagine him crying out to saying to God, like, this is it. This is my blessing. <laughs> Serious? I'd rather have food. I'm thirsty. I'd rather have water. I need to sleep. I need to rest my feet. Don't give me words. Don't give me empty words, anybody. <laughs> Don't give me empty words I need right now. I need your help now. Enter God. What does God bring to this wandering man who's fleeing this murder covenant by his older brother? God brings, he brings himself. He brings himself. He brings his word. He repeats the promise out loud that was spoken to Jacob's father and grandfather. But he says them to Jacob. But he not only repeats this promise, but he gives Jacob a look at how this would be fulfilled. He gives Jacob an image of how heaven and earth connect. The stairway shows Jacob that God has full access to to earth and can and he will bring his fullness of heaven to earth. If we look at verse 16, uh, yeah, it's up here. When Jacob woke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. He said God was with me and I had no idea (laughs) that God was there. See, in the middle of his fear, in the middle of his loneliness, in the middle of his isolation, in the middle of his unfulfilled promises, God was with Jacob. This was such a moving encounter with the Lord that Jacob took the stone on his head, built a pillar, and named this the house of God. He named this place the house of God, house of God, or Bethel, or Bethel. And this place, Bethel, would be a place of worship for the Israelites for actually the next thousands of, thousands of years. If you, if you study, you see that this place, the next thousand years, would be known as a place where God would speak to his people, where he would draw people back to, where they would come and worship. It would be a place that God would meet his people. And we, we know because of school down the road, because of house of worship, that this, this, this word, this house of worship, Bethel, is a place that still continues 4,000 years from when Jacob met God. It continues today. <laughs> So if we go back to the New Testament, the Israelites of Jesus' day would have known all about this vision. This, 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 this promise continued through their generations. It was a pillar moment, this vision where God met Jacob was a pillar moment in their community's faith walk where God confirmed his promise for a third generation in a row. Where he met Jacob in his destitution and gave him a glimpse of what it looks like when heaven meets earth. Do you remember the conversation? that Jesus had with Nathaniel when he called Nathaniel to be his disciple? Do you remember how shocked Nathaniel was when he heard that small prophecy when Jesus said, I saw you? I don't think we could have imagined, I don't think we could have imagined the depth of an awe that Nathaniel would have felt when Jesus tied that prophecy, when he tied that to saying to Jacob's ladder, when he said, I'm here. I don't think we could have imagined it. But let's put it back on the screen, John 1, 51. Let's look at that again. He then added, this is Jesus, after he said, you think you saw something. I tell you the truth, you shall see, Nathaniel, heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. It's me. Jesus is telling Nathaniel, now is the time when you get to see those 40 generations fulfilled. Now is the time, Nathaniel, where you get to bear witness to the promise that God made to Jacob all peoples on heaven and earth will be blessed through you and your offspring that night of the vision. I'm it. I am the fullness of that link between heaven and earth. The angels do my bidding, and you now get to see God being brought to earth. God promised your people, I'm with you and will watch over you. God promised this where you go, and I will not leave you. Well, now I'm telling you, 
that I'm God and I'm here to do what he promised. 40 generations later. I'm actually going to ask the worship team and ministry team to come up. As, uh, I've got a couple of things that this draws us to, to think about. Do you remember when I said that, as they come up, do you remember when I said that John doesn't mince words? The story of Jesus calling Nathaniel is a start of John's recording of the life of Jesus. At the end of the book, John tells us the whole reason that he wrote this book. Let's actually look at that. So this is John saying, this is the reason why I wrote this book. If you want to know why did John write his book, he tells us. <laughs> These words are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. I wrote this whole book for you guys. The Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. See, the Jewish audience would have known the depth of Jesus telling Nathaniel. They would have known this. When Jesus said to him, the heavens open and the angels ascend and descend on the Son of Man. As I've read this so many times, I skipped over it so many times until N.T. Wright kept drawing me into it. <laughs> but, then, but then what does that mean for today? How does this ancient story about Jesus meeting an even more ancient prophecy reach in and affect our lives today? It has to. Without Jesus being real and without him impacting your and my lives today, then, this Christ, then we're just nice like community together. Those words of Jesus have to say they mean something to you. They have to say they mean something to me. So I think thinking about this, and I think engaging with this story as we start to do the study on a study, and we kind of go through different layers of the Bible and unpacking it, we see what it means for us today, I think this draws up three questions. These are the three questions that I want to think about. And as we think about these questions, if the Lord starts talking to you, you need to do something about it. You can't just sit there and come to a prayer team and say, the Lord just told me something about that. And how you'll know as you start to get, I start to get a little bit like anxious inside. My heart starts to flutter or something. I go, oh, that's from you. You might hear from the Lord a little bit different. But as I ask these three questions, and as I think about them, if God goes knock, 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 and you get that, you, then it's your responsibility to answer. <laughs> and that's where we have the prayer team coming up so that you can engage with them. And if God goes knock, 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 on your heart, you can also fill it out, put it on the card, and Pastor Gary and team will reach out to you later. So the first question, because John wrote the book, the reason for his book, the first question is, do you believe? Yikes. Do you believe? Do you believe what John is wanting you to see through this book, that Jesus is indeed the Son of God? It all starts here. Either he is or he's not. And I think that there's different layers to this. There's this, there's this, there's different layers to this, pro, there's different parts of this process of believing if Jesus is the son of God. There's the initial belief. Some of us have to say for the first time right now that we have to have the first thing where like Nathaniel's eyes were open going, he is the son of God. Some of us have never said that. And if, and if that's you and you've got a little pitter patter boy, I did not believe that Jesus is the son of God. All you gotta say is God come be part of my life. I'll just say, God, come be a part of my life. I need you. I'm wrong. Come be a part and start that process. And then tell somebody about it. Write it on a card. You've got to start that. Like Nathaniel, where well, that is the son of God. Now, that's the initial belief. All the rest of us don't get off scot-free from here. <laughs> See, there's this deeper belief, then, where the power of Jesus 
can be renew you and can, re, and can reform. And, can, and so do I believe that the power of Jesus can renew me today and can transform us? So some of us do believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but we desperately want more of what that Jesus offers in our life right now. We desperately want him to be new. We desperately want him to hold his promises faithful and true to us. See, God called Nathaniel, but Nathaniel, I said he was a skeptic, but he already had a faith belief and he was already waiting on it. So some of us know and have believed in Jesus, but we need him to, to renew that. We need him to, we need him, we need to follow him again. We need to go, yes, I need to re and I need to let Jesus believe and be deeper in who I am. If that's you and your heart starts beating, go have one of the prayer team ministers now and as we worship through the rest, pray for you. That's the first question. Do we believe? <laughs> and what second question? Do you need confirmation that God is with you? that sat a little bit on me right now so for somebody here that you need confirmation that God is with you to just like Jacob after you fell asleep and after he woke up he went surely God is in this place so remember that song that first song at the beginning let me read you a part of it it says yeah father you say everything's going to be alright but my circumstances say I won't last through the night I need your word to hold me now. Need you to pull me through. I need a miracle. I need a breakthrough. I need you. Enter God. Some of you need confirmation that God is with you. If you need confirmation that God is with you, tell a prayer team and pray with you. Some of us are disoriented. We're wandering like Jacob. Actually, we're wandering like Jacob because of sin. Because of somebody else's sin to us or because of our sin. <laughs> Sometimes you just need to rest, wake up and go, surely God is in this place. That might be God right now telling you, I'm here. And I'm here and I'm here in this place. I was here in this, he was here before I spoke. I hope he's still here now after I speak. He's here when he confirmation that God is with us. And the third question, last question I have for us. And this might strike too. Do you have hope unfulfilled? Are you living in hope unfulfilled? going to read another verse from that same song, that Evan Kraft song. They say you hold the whole universe in your hand, but my world's falling apart like it's made of sand. Am I small enough to slip through the cracks? Can you take my broken pieces and can you put them back? Give me faith to believe you're on my side. Open my eyes to see you working in my life. Let the past remind me you know, never fail. Tell my soul, please, it is well. Have you received a promise from the Lord that it actually may be a continuation from generations? There may be a continuation of generations that this, that there's a hope and that's, but it's unfulfilled. Or is there a new promise for you and you're just sitting right now in the in-between? Do you need God to reaffirm that? You see, that promise could have been something that you heard from a preacher before. <laughs> that, it, that hope or that promise could have been something where you said, I knew God back then. But what's he doing now? It's been a year. It's been a year and a half. I don't see this God alive and active. I don't see this thing alive and active. Right now. That's hope unfulfilled. I know that there are many of us that have this hope unfulfilled. We may have even seen this through the Lord, through like a friend may have spoken to us, a moment of quiet journaling, but it just seems so far ago. You may be reminded of that right now. And this hope unfulfilled, God says, <laughs> God says to you like he does to Nathaniel, you get me. I'm here. If I can keep my promise for 40 generations, I keep my promise for you. Yes. 
I'm going to close by reading one more part of the song. I'll let the worship team take it from here. The chorus of that song, Be All Right, has some Spanish in it, and I'm not going to be great on it, but I'm going to try. And then it has English. Y todo va a estar bien. Everything will be all right. The whole world's in his hands. Your whole world is in his hands. In the darkness and the trials, he's faithful and he is true. Your whole world's in his hands. Total va a estar bien.